How many of you were able to, in some way or another, tune into the 9-11 global prayer uh, Friday morning? It's very powerful and uh, meaningful because it was participated in around the world. Uh, starting off with uh, a brother way down below in Australia with the shofar, uh, which we're going to talk a little bit about the blast, and then moving forward with uh, our brothers and sisters in the kingdom of God from Indonesia and Korea, other parts of this nation and other parts of the world coming in, uh, thousands of people joining together for the very same cause, to believe God to intercede and intervene in the United States of America now. And as you know, um, that's been a clarion call of this ministry, of myself, um, and we have boldly stood out, and we've declared what we've received, and we're about there. And this isn't something new. This began on our journey a hundred days before the new year. And God took us to that place of next, and we've been settling in and figuring it out. And in that place, the Lord told us there would be three major shifts. He told us that in January. And then, of course, we all know about COVID. And uh, because of uh, the Chinese church and the revelation of God, we were literally the first voice here in America through a ministry that warned everybody about COVID. Uh, there was one other political voice, Tom Cotton and, and myself. Uh, we then, in that basis, the Lord said for me to declare there would be two more major shifts this year, and that the second shift was going to come upon suddenly, and then the third would come in the midst of the season that was the first fruits, which is what we're entering into right now. On May 24th, a Sunday, I stood right here, and I told you that the Lord told me that night, that day, in the middle of the morning, on the third watch, that we were about to see a fury of a spirit of delusion and lawlessness released here in this country. The very next day, George Floyd was murdered, and I do say murdered. And we know what happened. The next few days, cities began to be torched. The torches have not quit. Life was given to some things that were just and some things that are unjust. Chaos and lawlessness has grabbed people. Delusion has taken minds to where they think they're fighting a just cause, but they're doing so unjustly. We see a battle for the spirit of Elijah that's pouring out upon the earth to prepare the way for the coming of the Lord. A battle of fatherhood, of turning the hearts of the children to the fathers and the fathers to the children. That is the anointing of the Spirit upon the body of Christ. The body of Christ that's obedient to God, that the church of Laodicea would have defined as hot not lukewarm and not cold. And we know that that's not a major element in the ecclesia today and certainly not in this country. It's a fraction. It's a remnant. But God is working through the remnant. And his intention is to turn the hearts of the children to the fathers and the fathers to the children. So we should not be surprised that one thing that has received a lot of popularity even in our sports arenas, they sit and herald it, and we see it in our streets, and we see people being accosted by it, and, and their mission statement is to denuclearize the family, to strip 
fatherhood. That is a spirit of antichrist working through people who are ignorant of the ways of the devil, and it's opposing the very move of God to prepare the way for the coming of the Lord. There is no more epic battle in the earth today for the body of Christ than to prepare the way for the coming of the Lord. Jesus Christ is coming again. And the spirits of hell, the principalities and powers, and those who are ignorant to the ways of God, and those who oppose the ways of God are willing vessels, whether they know it or not. And then the Lord said the third one was coming. And we didn't just say it. We believed that and said it in February. Well, it's about to be here. And what is surprising me is that there's a spirit reverberating in this country and through the body of Christ, calling people to stand up, to repent, and to declare for God, to God to show himself here in the now. My intent for you is to get a little better understanding. I began to release this some weeks back, and the Lord called it the Hezekiah miracle moment. And that was really spurned on in the evening, 11.30 Eastern time, August 20th. Thursday night, the last night of the Democratic Convention, when the voice of that convention stood up and mocked God. At 11.30 at night, I alerted out of my bed. The Spirit of God rushed inside of me, and he said, Son, rebuke it, and loudly, with my wife awakened next to me, I rebuked that word in the name of Jesus, and I said, We shall see the miracle of God. God shall not be mocked. And the Lord said, it says, I said unto Hezekiah, when they mocked me then, I'm the same God of Hezekiah that I am of the church today. Tell my people, I shall not be blasphemed. I shall not be mocked. I shall defend my honor, says the Lord. And so here we stand. We stand on the very cusp of that moment. And what the Lord has put upon this ministry and this church, and many are going to join us, and some have already begun, is that beginning September 16th, that's Wednesday night, at sundown here in this church, preparing at 6 o'clock, we will begin a prayer vigil. And we will pray every night for seven days, and we will fast, those who can fast with me, those of you who are willing to stand and take on an assignment, one of the most important assignments of your life, as the body of Christ today, because what is at stake is the very soul of this nation. That they're not lying about. But their intent for this soul is not our intent for this soul. And their intent for the soul is not God's intent for the soul. And the God that they proclaim is not the God that we believe. And I'm going to show you that very clearly today, and your eyes are going to pop open as you realize. Now, I want to take you back. I want to take you back to July and August and September of 2016. And I was put on the, on the platform many times in that time to defend why God had prophesied through me that somebody that Christians didn't even really like was going to become the president because there were assignments that were placed upon him. It's not about personality. It's not about his history or his lack of history as a Christian. It has nothing to do with it. 
That's for him and God personal. This is about an assignment for the kingdom of God and for this nation and the people of God at this time. And we need to pray many ways, and we'll be doing that the next seven nights. And people will be joining us from all over the earth and from all over online. And I'm going to invite you to join with me. We'll be Zooming and we'll be doing it live here. And we're going to have different people helping us lead from all over the earth and all over the world that are prayer intercessors and warriors. And one of our prayers is that God will awaken the body of Christ. Beloved, let me say something to you. If the 78 million people who call themselves Christians will get up out of their chairs on November 3rd and go vote, there is nothing that's going to stop what the program of God is. We need to pray that happens, and I believe God's going to send a blast to awaken people. And I'm not sure exactly what it is, but I know it's a Hezekiah miracle moment, and I know it's coming soon. I know we were sitting in this special month. Why is this month special? Because it's the last month and the first month of the Hebrew calendar. And we understand we are entering into the days of awe, those 10 days when mighty things have happened in the history in the history, in the chronological history of your scriptures to the land of Israel and God's people. When Moses and people were led to do mighty things that Abraham even called out, mighty, mighty things, shifting things have happened in this period of time. And it leads right up to Rosh Hashanah, which is the Hebrew New Year. And from Rosh Hashanah, there's a short interlude, and we go to Yom Kippur, which is a day of atonement and repentance. Well, guess what? People that God has called for years have found themselves right in this chronology. My friend Kevin Jessup told me four years ago that God had put it on his heart to have a day of repentance here in this nation and that it should happen sometime in September. Well, it is happening, September 25th and the 26th. And by the grace of God, I have been called to make the final statement in prophecy over the return in Washington, D.C. I didn't ask for it. I didn't understand it. I'm not even sure what I'm going to prophesy. And that means it's God. But I do know that what I send forth and what I release will be a powerful word from the very heart and soul of this nation. And in that instance, it's a time of repentance, even as Yom Kippur is. And then after we come to that, we come to Sukkot, which is the season and the first fruits festival. It's the first major festival of the Hebrew calendar year. And it's the time when first fruits are brought into the Lord to believe Him for His provision, to believe Him for His deliverance, to thank Him and praise Him for what He's already done for us, and to put it on the altar of faith and say to Lord, we believe, God, that you're going to provide everything that we need in this year. That's the season we are in. So God has carefully put us in that area. And beloved, I always tell people when I'm amongst friends and they're telling me how large their church is and each other, what kind of a jet they're flying in their other church, and then they look at me and they say, and, and, and Frank, how big is your church? I say, well, if we all came at the same time, sometimes 100 people, sometimes 80. I think 200 would come if they actually would get up and get here. I don't know. I said, but we're the mouse that roars. We're the church that has a voice that echoes around the earth. And we're a church that's on the very pinpoint. We're a Gideon body of Christ. We're the ones that God uses to stand firm. And you pay a price for that. 
I've told many people this church and ministry may not be for everybody. If all you want to do is come by, yay, and have life nice and easy and get a nice motivational message or a salvation message every week, probably the wrong place. Huh? I hope I don't leave you depressed because we always end with victory and power in the name of Jesus. But we're not going to soft pedal it. We are a punching rod. We're the ones that come out with the, the pier, the, 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 very, the very tip of the spear. I like that, the tear. Did I say the pier? I like that word. The very tip of the spear. And we punch through. And then we strengthen. And then we wait. And then we go with our assignment again. So way back then in 2016, God showed me his battle plan and I shared it publicly. I published it six weeks in September, in very September, in the middle of September, I published it, and I announced it over the Jim Baker program. And at that time, it followed the scriptures that had to do with the Haman hanging on the gallows. And I showed the correlation exactly, even to the point where he said it will not be over that evening. It will go in to the third watch the next day. Three o'clock in the morning was when that election was called. It was exactly pinpointed according to the scriptures. Well, God has shown me through the, the history of Hezekiah a pinpoint. I want you to receive it. I want you to understand it. I'll be sharing this more this week. I'll be doing a, an interview with Charisma tomorrow, supposedly at 11 a.m., and we'll send that across the world. We'll be sharing it every day, every night, because God wants his people's eyes opened. And the Lord does nothing but his prophets speak it forth but through the Word of God. And we've seen prophets speaking, doing damage. And I'll say it boldly. This president said that, that, that the virus was going to disappear in April because prophets told him that, that had no business speaking because they didn't hear from God. And those same prophets ought to learn now to shut their mouths. And where the shoe fits, take it, because you misguided a country and you misguided a president. A man who listened to the word that came forth because he wants to believe in the word of the Lord. And God is going to judge his prophets just like he's judging his house now. And many who say they have a prophetic voice better fear God. Better fear God because when you find nations and principles and people listening to you, you better fear God. And you better not learn people astray. I didn't intend to go there, but I'm going to go there and I really don't care who's, who's offended by it. Forgive me, but this is a time that we cannot allow the voice of Baal to come forth into the kingdom of God. And I want to say something else to you. There were six, 360 faith leaders that signed on against the people that are opposed to or, uh, Mr. Biden. I'm, I'm not afraid to speak politics. They're speaking with a spirit of Baal. Why? Because no man or woman of God should be able to endorse anybody that is in favor of killing innocent babies. Sorry. That's where you draw the line. Psalm said there's three things the Lord hates and detests, and the one he hates the worst is the shedding of innocent blood. I don't know how you say, if you don't like a man so much that his personality bothers you, then just don't say anything. And don't support anybody. But to come against it and call yourself faith leaders, sorry, that is the spirit of Baal. And so we need to be those who stand up boldly to it and say, sorry, you're misguided. And I pray 
that the blood of these innocent children isn't upon your hands. That's how serious it is. That's how serious it is. That's how serious it is for people who believe in God to make a decision what they're going to do for this country. Because it's true, the soul of this nation is on the altar. And the soul of this nation, above all things, is being judged by its disobedience. Sixty-some million babies aborted from the altar of politics and humanism, feminism and liberalism on this country. Sixty million Is God a man that he should be mocked? Has God heard our prayers? Does God care about the unborn? So let me share this with you. So that you can say it clearly when people say, your pastor or this man, if you're listening, or whoever he is, and I'm surely going to be attacked pretty strong in these next few weeks. I know the price that's paid. But I really don't care. That's the good news when you get out onto an island on your own. You just don't care anymore. I'm not looking for a kumbaya ecumenical experience. Been there and done that. It is foolishness. It doesn't do anything. That's not the unity of the body of Christ. The unity of the body of Christ is standing firm for the things of God. Not just compromising and trying to make nice with everybody to make nice. They could say, oh, aren't you a wonderful Christian? Would you rather have God say you're a wonderful Christian or have man say you're a wonderful Christian? I need God's accolades. When I get there, the words I am dying to hear, and I'm saying dying to hear, because when the day comes, do not shed one tear for me. My time will be over, and I want to stand before him, and I want him to say, well done, my faithful son. That's the words I want to hear. That's the words that I breathe for now, and that's the treasure in heaven that I am storing up for. I just want to hear those words, well done, and I want you to hear them as well. Whatever we've been given to do, the Lord says, do it with all your might and do it with excellence unto God. You may not have the same pulpit I have, but you're part of the same pulpit I am. We breathe this together. We serve together. The Holy Spirit is building out. Without you, I'm weak. I don't need thousands, but I need tens. And I thank you for it. I thank you for the little words I received from brothers and sisters around the world who say, I was encouraged by what you did, Brother Frank. Do not stop. That may not sound like much to you. It's not published. It's not heralded. It's not put on the major Christian networks. It's not a book that's selling, a bestseller. What it is for me is it's an encouragement to me. And it says, just keep going, don't give up. Just keep going, don't give up. And I want that same zeal inside of you. I want you not to give up. I want you to keep going. I don't want you to see what you see or hear what you hear. I want you to believe the Word of God and the prophetic Word of God that is grounded in the Word of God. That's why in this ministry... And we've established it, we preach it, it's our discipline. We always build upon the firm foundation of the Word of God, seeking fresh revelation from God. His Word is never stale. His Word isn't a history. His Word is living Word for us today. And so we crawl back into the words that God has and we look at the word blast. The Lord told me to share that He is about to send a blast. And in that instance, that's part of the Hezekiah miracle movement. Interesting about the blast. It comes out of a word that's neshama in Hebrew or ruach. Ruach kadesh, Neshama. Ruach. It's the same word for breathing. It's God breathed. It's one of the words of it. It's blowing the breath of Yahweh. 
It is, it's an expression of God's manifesting himself provincially here in nature now. It's when God shows through his breath his being, his sovereignty in the here of now. And there's all kinds of scriptures. With the blast of the nostrils, the waters were piled up. Samuel, I will send a blast upon him. I will put a spirit in him. I will put an impulse of fear in them. By the blast of my anger are they consumed. And so on and so on. And the shofar itself, the shofar itself came from a word that means the same, neshama. It means the blast. And so isn't it interesting that whenever God told his people to do something, there were the tones of the shofar. The little tones would summon them. When they heard a doot, 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 it was time to come. But when they heard the sustained sound, it was time to come. It was time to grab your weapon. It was time to be ready because God was about to do something. And God made the move, but the people... The people believed in faith. The shofar is blowing, beloved. God is giving us the little tones. And he's saying, come, come, get ready, come. It's getting ready to come. And the earth is responding. I can't tell you how encouraged I am when I see a brother in Singapore crying out for America, crying out for this election, crying out for the unborn children joined by a brother in Australia and somebody in Europe and people in all four corners of the earth from all kind of cities, all kind of cultures, all kind of colors, all kind of languages. It's encouraging to know that the Spirit of God is moving in the body of Christ. And beloved, the Lord spoke to me a couple days ago and he said, son, this isn't the major moment. This is a moment. Tell my people that if they will believe me and continue on, they will see many blasts as I prepare the way for my coming. Believe, you better believe that the spirit of the Antichrist, he, he's got fire on his tail. He knows the time is getting short. He hears what we say. He feels the Spirit of God moving. He sees nations against nations. He sees distresses. He sees all the things that Jesus himself prophesied about with the major prophets. He sees it all, and he knows his time is but short, which makes him very angry. And so we understand that the persecution is going to come upon you and I, but this is the time we've been made for. This is the time we were born for, and to whom much is expected. God will give more, correct? Give, expect, expect more. If you want more, you've got to give. You've got to stand with God. If you don't go to the battle, he's not going to give you a weapon to use. If all you want to do is sit back, I tell you again, go on down the street. You'll find a couple churches that will let you sit back real easily. In this house, you're not going to sit back. In this house, you can call me crazy. You can say whatever you want. This is the moment I know I've been born for. This is the moment that God has called us for. And he's putting fire inside of us. A consuming fire that burns. And we need to be those who have a passion that will not stop. There's a new norm, but that new norm for the church isn't the norm that the world wants us to accept. That new norm is victory in Jesus. That new norm is called overcomer. That new norm says that we are going to overcome by the blood of the Lamb and our word of our testimony. That new norm says that we have received everything that God intends for us that we need today to be the fierce warriors, worshipers, and watchmen. 
that he has called us to be. That's who we are, and we're a mighty army. We are a mighty army, and God has got to awaken the body of Christ now. And I believe that's part of the Hezekiah miracle moment. I don't know exactly what it is, but I know something's coming, and I know it's going to shake heaven and earth. And I know that you'd have, the Lord told me that somebody would have to willfully be blind to say that it wasn't me. That's how God's going to do it. That's how God's going to do it. I can't wait for it. There's an excitement inside of me. There's an excitement that feels it churning inside of me. Don't, don't we get excited when the God, the Lord goes before us? Huh? Wouldn't you? I mean, if there was another time you wanted to live, not so much in the slavery aspect of it, but how about the aspect of coming out of Egypt? How about walking through the water? How about manna? How about just seeing God bringing into the, I mean, think about those moments and times, crossing over into the promised land. Think of the times just prior to Jesus. Think of the times of being there and watching Jesus do miracles in the earth. This is that kind of a moment. This is that kind of a moment in the biblical chronology of, the, of eternity right now that we are living in. You have been crafted by God, made in His image, purposefully created for this time with everything that you need to be a mighty warrior, watchman, and worshiper in Jesus Christ. That's who you are. I want you to, I want you to, and, and, and sometimes you need to say, Lord, Lord, make me feel like I am. Let me know who I am. Father, confirm it to me. Sometimes you need to practice. You don't get in the big leagues till you practice on the little leagues. Practice against those little demons. Cast them, cast them down. Pancake them, float them. Do whatever you need to shoot them between the eyes, and God will give you bigger giants. You will find you've got more power, more power in Jesus' name than any other force on the earth. Any other force on the earth. But you've got to use it. You've got to say it. You've got to say, Lord, here I am. I'm willing to do it. You should be able to look cancer in the eye and curse it. You should be able to look diabetes in the eye and curse it. And if you don't see a result right away, don't give up because you're in the fourth quarter and victory is yours. This is what it's time to crank it up and get it across the finish line and win. And that's who we are. That's what we've been called to do. I firmly believe this generation's not going to be like any other generation. This generation is going to see the coming of the Lord. Even in his lies, the spirit of the Antichrist is mixing some half-truths, huh? That's the way he does it, some half-truths with the lies. Well, let's move forward. I want to get into just a little bit of this, of this message for you. A psalm of victory. I like this one. I ask you to read it. I don't have time to share it to you with you right now. But I want you to read it because in verse 15 it says, The foundations of the world were uncovered. This is uh, Psalms 18, and, and uh, I wrote 7 through 19, but I don't have time to read them for you. You read them. But in the day of calamity, it said, the Lord was my support. He delivered me because he delighted in me. Verse 15, the foundations of the world were uncovered at your rebuke, O Lord, at the blast of the breath of your nostrils. I believe God wants to uncover the foundations of this world one more time. I believe he is laying bare, naked, right now, a lot, a lot of the issues in, in the church. Great people of God, not much of it is publicized, I know are up against the wall right now because of issues of their flesh, because of issues of their ministry, 
because of issues of ambition and lust. God is splicing open a lot of ministries right now. This is a time for purity. This is a time for confession. This is a time for repentance. This is a time to be renewed. This is the time that Daniel said that great men, and by the way, we're talking about the species, not the gender. Women and men, great people of God, it says that they would fall and be purged so that they might be made white inside again, pure and holy inside again for God. And so God doesn't do these things to destroy people. He does it to try and salvage people. But it's happening in the church. Judgment has begun in the house of God. And God is about to let people make a choice. And now I feel the prophetic unction. And part of what this is going to be about with the Hezekiah moment is to see if eyes open up with pastors and shepherds. To see if they're really willing to lay down their kingdoms for the kingdom of God. Are they really willing to stand up against culture, tradition, and politics and say, I cannot endorse or support anything that kills innocent children. Are they really willing to do it? Are they really willing to stand on a pulpit and not be chastised because somebody has a political influence? Let me say something to you. I don't care if the person, Democrat, Republican, some other party, I could care less. If they're going to stand strong on the tenets of God's faith, that's the person that I'm going to support. And I don't really care if they even know what they're doing, just so they're doing what God wants to be done. You understand? And I also found out that God uses very imperfect people to show himself. Oh, my Lord. Very imperfect people. Isn't it a wonder that God's not using some televangelist to lead the nation? Huh? Isn't it wonderful that God's using an imperfect rogue from the streets of New York City to say things that he doesn't even understand sometimes? Isn't it wonderful that God is making the whole world stupid and foolish in his own wisdom? I think there's a scripture in Corinthians that tells us that, isn't it? That the wisdom of man is foolishness unto God. Isn't it a wonder that God uses somebody as imperfect and as unlikely as me. I can assure you that if they took a poll at Ursland, the Catholic high school that this Jewish boy was sent to, and they said, who's most likely to preach the word of God, that I would have been number 565 out of 565. They would have said, not him. Isn't it a wonder that God uses that, those numbers? Isn't it a wonder that God chose you? Isn't it a wonder that in spite of, and, and you know what? You're just like I am. We're so hard on ourselves in the dark and the quiet, aren't we? We measure our imperfections, and when we're not doing a good job of it, there's a little voice that likes to crawl and whisper in your ear, tell you how bad you are, tell you how you're not fit, tell you how you don't qualify, tell you about all the things you did wrong, tell you about how your future is this, tell you about how your greatest sins are going to be uncovered, tell you all these things in your ear. Am I the only one? None of you have to go through that. Isn't it wonderful that God chose you and I in that minister? Isn't it wonderful that we have another voice, the living word of God, that says, I love you. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. He who is within you is greater than he who is in the world. By my God, all things are possible. Isn't it wonderful that we can live and believe that and receive that and that God uses us? Do you think, you see, the world likes to try and disparage us and discourage us 
by telling us about all of our faults or telling us about each other's faults. They think in their stupidity that that's going to cause us to turn away from God and the people of God. They don't understand that we love to be a family of misfits. We love to be a family of people who have a testimony of where we come from. In fact, we get very uncomfortable when Goody Two-Shoes comes in and tells us how they never had a problem, that they're perfect, that they were saved in the womb before they were born. They don't understand we look at that person cross-eyed and say, get that demon out of them right now in Jesus' name. They don't understand that we are a group, an ecclesia that's been washed in the blood of Jesus, forgiven for our sins, that we walk in the salvation and redemption of God, not in our own, but in His power, that we've been called and justified and sanctified and glorified in Jesus Christ. And they don't understand that even the murderer on death's row, when they repent unto Jesus, that's my brother, that's my sister, and there's a place in heaven for us together. They don't understand. They don't understand that the more they disparage the people of God, the real people of God, the stronger we become. We feed off of it. When somebody tells us we can't, we say we shall. When somebody tells us how bad we are, we say, no, I'm the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. When somebody tells us that our past is going to haunt us and we're never going to be anything, we say, no, God has redeemed my past, and I'm no longer living in that past, but I'm living day by day in the future. I am a new creation in Jesus Christ. Hey! Oh! Who is that preacher? Bless the Lord. Bless God. Bless God. Let me tell you something, beloved. When God is blasphemed, when God is mocked, that's when the spirit of the devil has pushed somebody beyond a boundary they dare not go. And that's what happened. That's what happened. It's been happening, but it came out so very clear to us. I want to just give you a quick Bible study. Is that okay? Because if you do this with me, you're going to understand how I've become so excited about this moment. And I'll be giving part of this over the air and publishing it in the next week a lot. Let's go to 2 Kings chapter 18. And, and Ralph, just, just go with me, son. Just go with me. By the way, I have a pronouncement to make. And um, we're going to do it as soon as we get through September. Right now, our focus is on this. And that is that, that I, I want to ordain Ralph as a pastor. He's been, he's been serving in an office of evangelism because he said that was his passion. But his signs and his fruits are that of a pastor. And, and, I, and, I, and I have a special calling in my heart that the Lord has given me for him. And I'll discuss that with him. And then if he accepts that, he's going to be an extension that goes outside these four walls with that pastoral call. Because that's his passion. That's his heart, both in and without. Amen. So, Ralph, we didn't discuss that, but you don't have a choice, son. You're a good soldier. He's a good soldier. Take it from your lieutenant, your captain, your colonel, your general, whatever you want to call it. Praise God. Okay, 2 Kings 18. Hezekiah reigns over Judah. Well, let's understand who Hezekiah was. So did you get a, 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 Hezekiah was the son of Asa, his father. Asa wasn't a very good king. Asa allowed sin in high places and all kinds of problems to come in. 
Asa, instead of trusting the Lord God, relied upon riches to pay for mercenaries. Asa was a bad king. This was his son. Isn't it amazing how something so good could come out of something so bad? But maybe we understand a little bit more when we understand who his mama was. His mama was Abi, A-B-I, Abi. Abi just happened to be the daughter of Zechariah, the prophet. And so he had good bones. He had good DNA, you might say. And so somehow, mama must have been working on the boy while daddy was out whoring and being a bad king. Mama raised her son. And so Hezekiah wanted to serve God. And he, co, he co-reigned for a short while until God moved him up. And he was a very young king. He, he began in his kingship in the very early 20s. Very young as a king. So he needed the wisdom of God. But one thing he did is he said, because of what mama has taught me, and because I received it, and because I was born in the loins of a spirit-filled prophet woman, he said, I'm going to obey God. I'm going to serve the things of God. And so one of the first things he did was he tore down all the high places in Judah and Samaria. He went out and tore down those altars. One of the other things he did was he actually, do you remember the serpent that was made of brass that Moses raised up? Well, we understand now that it had preserved for 800 years because Hezekiah found it, and they were actually gave it another name, Nashama. And Nashama became an idol, and they were burning incense to it, and they turned it into a god. So what did he do with it? He boiled it down into just nothing but waste iron. He said, it lost its purpose, and I'm going to destroy this idol. He was a powerful king in the sense that he believed God, and he trusted God. And it says, it says that uh, he reigned over Judah for 29 years, and he was one of the better kings. After he had removed the high places and then broken all of the sacred pillars and tore down the wooden images and broke in pieces this bronze, bronze serpent that Moses had made, it says that then he called upon the children of Israel to trust in the Lord God of Israel. Beloved, you recall that about a year ago I gave a message about talismans. And the message was that Christians have talismans and that we begin to believe in the talismans more than we begin to believe in the living God and what he has. So we might think it's foolish that they wanted to raise incense and worship this old bronze serpent, but we do the same things. We cast the things of God out. So get the tape on talismans. I think it'll help you a lot. It helped me. It helps us to understand that even the things that, we, that God has given us that have a good purpose at their time can become a talisman to us. It be, can become an idol to us. And we begin to get into a formula with God. Well, God doesn't have formulas in our walk and in our faith. God has the living word. And so we don't want to become formulative people. We don't want to become people that are relying upon tradition that also in some ways can become worse than tradition and even become something that is a talisman or an idol in our life. Conjecture. So he tore down these, these altars and he destroyed Nehushtan. In 2 Kings 18, 7 through 8, it says the Lord was with them. He prospered wherever he went. And he rebelled against the king of Assyria and did not serve him. His father, now listen to me because you're going to begin to read some prophetic in this. The one who was in power before him made a pact with Assyria. 
And in that, pretty much gave away their autonomy and their authority. He said, you leave us alone, we'll leave you alone. Let's just coexist. How about we deliver to you a couple billion dollars in bullion in the middle of the night off of an airplane in the desert? You leave us alone if we do that? How about if we close our eyes to you stealing and robbing our technology and our goods? Will you leave us alone if we do that? That's an Asa spirit. Do you understand? And political leadership prior to this one did that. Not thought about it, did it. And what did it get us? The same thing that it got Asa. They destroyed Judea and Samaria. They were taking away the fortified cities on their way up to Jerusalem. And now they were about to siege in Jerusalem. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting? Now look at this. The Lord was with them. He prospered wherever he went. He rebelled against the king of Syria and did not serve him. He subdued the Philistines. Verse 9, Now it came to pass in the fourth year of King Hezekiah, which was the seventh year of Hosea, the son of Elah, Hosea, by the way, the prophet, king of Israel, that Shalmaneser, king of Assyria, came up against Samaria and besieged it. And at the end of three years, they took it. In the sixth year of Hezekiah, that is in the ninth year of Hosea, king of Israel, Samaria was taken. And then listen to this. The king of Assyria carried Israel away captive to Syria and put them in Hala. Basically, what they did was cancel culture. What? Cancel culture. They canceled their culture. They took them away from their place. They put them in something else. They began to destroy the things that related them to their God, to their country, to their allegiance, to their patriotism. And they linked it to something else. And they assimilated the people to the point that they no longer had a passion for the things of their tradition and culture. Cancel culture. Do you hear me? Listen if you're watching. Cancel culture. Do you see the tactics of the enemy? He's playing the same old record in a different way. God's church needs to wake up and understand this isn't just politics. This indeed is a battle for the soul of this nation. And there's something that even the people in the other parts of the world say, as goes America, so goes the world. That's what they say. That's what they say. Cancel culture. Cancel culture. The king of Assyria hated Israel. He didn't just want to conquer them. He hated them. He hated their God. He hated them. He hated everything about them. I'm going to say it. We had a prior administration that hated Israel. Some say that's powerful words. No, it's by the actions and fruits. Nobody seems to have ever understood or complained that this country sent money into an, Israeli, into an Israeli campaign to unseat Benjamin Netanyahu. This country did under Obama. Nobody said a word. And we get mad that people interfere in our politics? Huh? Did you know that? How many of you knew that he did that? Do you agree with that? That was your money. That was my money. 
Those who bless her shall be blessed. Those who cursed her shall be cursed. I don't want somebody buying a curse for me. Do you understand? This is pretty serious stuff. Some people are afraid to say it. I'm not afraid to say it. It's a fact. It's a fact. Cancel culture. So, verses 9 through 12, we'll move on. Samaria was taken, and the southern kingdom was taken away, and from that day forward, it was referred to as Israel. So there were two Israels, the southern kingdom that had been taken away and captured, and now they were going after the northern kingdom. A kingdom with a a king who was the son, whose mother was the sister of Zechariah. A prophetic king. He had prophetic bones. He was raised to trust God and detest his own father. He was raised to make a choice of God instead of his bloodline. So they were taken away because they would neither hear nor do the things of God, it said. They were taken away because they were disobedient. So when they came across to Hezekiah and we're outside. It tells us, starting in verse 13, that Hezekiah at first didn't know what to do. Even though God had been mighty in his reign, he's looking at this army that had destroyed everything on its way up to him. So he goes back to what his father did. And he tries to bribe the king of Assyria. Oh, the king's wise. He says, yeah, give me the money. I'll make a deal with you. The king takes the money and then says, I'm going to kill you. Sound familiar? Let me give you the money. And he did even worse. He stripped the gold off of the temple doors. Hezekiah took from God, thinking he was doing the right thing for his people because he needed a lesson in the power of God. And God was gracious and gave him that lesson. Well, the king of Assyria, Sennacherib, he said, (laughs) he gave me the money. He's so afraid, I'm going to go get him anyway. And so they pile up, and now they're at his doorstep. They're at the very pool that's outside where their water source is. They hadn't cut the water yet, but they let them know they could. They had a knee on the throat, ready to choke. So he gives them the money. The king laughs. And in this, we hear a very weird message that comes out of Hezekiah. He says, I have done wrong. Turn away from me. Whatever you impose on me, I will pay. Well, the word that he uses is the same as the word that was used for Achan, the sin of Achan. He basically said, I've sinned. So take what you want. Now, some will say that what he was saying to the king of Assyria, I offended you because I turned away from you. I don't think so. He has a prophetic bone in him. Something in his life was askew. So he said, I've sinned and I've brought this upon my people. I need to buy my way out of it. Beloved, we're all tempted to buy our ways out of our sins. We're all tempted to make a way for ourselves and to trust God. But when the four walls are closing in, 
that's when our faith needs to stand strong. And that's when we need to believe God no matter what. And what the Lord showed me, if you remember, my prophecy that I shared on the Global 11 and way before that, was I saw the thumb and the forefinger of God coming down. I saw Trump, but not just Trump. I saw the assignments of God. I saw all of the opportunities that God was given the body of Christ here. I saw the cancellation of abortion. I saw Israel. I saw all those things that God had latched on to this vessel that probably still to this day doesn't understand the enormity of God upon him. And I saw him come down with the thumb of the apostle and the forefinger of the prophet and snatch him by the head and pull him out of the quicksand that was up to his lip and soar him and throw him out. And the dreams came alive again. That's what I saw. Hezekiah, he tried to buy it because maybe inside of himself he felt like they deserved it. So he thought, maybe if I strip the wealth and give it to this guy and he goes away, that'll be enough. But it wasn't enough. God wanted true repentance. And that's what he's calling our nation to this month. Hezekiah, king of Judah, sent to the king, verse 13 through 16 of Assyria at Lachish, saying, I have done wrong. Turn away from me. Whatever you impose on me, I will pay. Sennacherib took the money and then came up to Jerusalem. Now, fast forward. 2 Kings 18, 17 through 20. I want to introduce you to the Rab Shakah. The Rab Shakah, not a name of a person. This is a title. Then the king of Assyria sent the Tartan, the Rabsaras, and the Rab Shakah from Lachish. These were the people that were those that were his chief advisors and counselors and generals. And the Rab Shakah was an Assyrian title. And the best we know is it meant the chief cupbearer a high officer of the state, a voice, a voice of the evil king of Assyria. And this Rabshakeh stood from the upper pool where the life source was. He stood where the water was. He dared to stand in the living waters. Come with me. Don't lose me. May the Lord open your eyes and your heart to prophetic understanding. He dared to stand in the waters of life to God's people. Shisakaye. And in that place, he began to espouse a demoralizing argument. How many of you know that when the enemy wants to attack the soul of a people or a nation, it raises up a voice. And it raises up a voice that seems to have reason. It might even raise up a voice that people want to call uncle. Polite. A gentle person. A gentleman. Somebody who is a peacemaker. Somebody who can cross the aisle. And make deals. 
across the world and pay off in the middle of the night to cancel a culture. And so, Rabshakeh, the Rabshakeh, he says to Hezekiah in very bold words, what confidence is this in which you trust? <laughs> Who do you believe in? Why do you think that you can withstand these forces that are against you? Why do you think that you have the power to withstand the mighty evil king of Assyria who has put all these forces together at a time such as this? The Rabshakeh didn't want Judah to have any confidence in God. So what's he do first? He attacks Egypt because he had learned that Hezekiah was trying to make a pact with Egypt to defend. And he said, Egypt's not going to be able to help you. They're not strong enough. The very spear of the pierce of Egypt will pierce you. Forget that one, it's gone. The arms of flesh, a <laughs> half-truth, they're not going to work. Guess what, beloved? The arms of flesh aren't going to work right now either. It's going to be by the Spirit of God. Not by the might or power of Egypt, but by the Spirit of God. So the first thing he does is he tears down that confidence in the things of the world. Interesting. One man raised $300 million in August. The other man raised pennies. Isn't it interesting how God decreases the things of the flesh to increase the power of God? It's not going to be about money. It's not going to be about money at all. It's going to be about the power of God. So Satan attacks us. And he begins to tell you what a rotten sinner you are. And his strategy is to give you some half-truth. And in that half-truth to try and demoralize or despair the people of God. And to try and demoralize and despair the heart of a nation. And to try and demoralize and despair and utterly rape faith. So this demoralizing argument of Rabshaka. First he tears down Egypt and then he goes after the God, Lord. <laughs> That's where he crossed a different boundary. If you say to me, we trust in the Lord your God, is it not he whose highest places and whose altars Hezekiah has taken away and said to Judah and Jerusalem, you shall worship before this altar in Jerusalem. Now give your pledge to Assyria. Vote for Assyria. Do you understand what was just said? That little snake of wisdom mistruths, deceit, twisting words, accusing Hezekiah of tearing down the high places for the Lord God because they really didn't understand the Lord God. They just knew the name. And what they didn't understand was he tore down the high places of those that weren't the Lord God. And he accused them of doing things that he didn't understand. Beloved to many, many people in this nation, 
there's no personal relationship with God. They might even go to a non-denominational church. Maybe. I don't know. They might go to a Catholic church. They might go to a Baptist church. They have a relationship with the denomination, but not with the God. And so here we have this, the Rakshata, who knew enough from the prophecies of Isaiah, who was alive at that time and was the prophet to the king, to twist them and turn them around and to confuse people in their own faith. And to have them even question, how could somebody get to this point if God wasn't for them? Well, let me let you understand something. God will allow things to come to a pressure point, And he will test the people of God to see what we say. But this he will do. If we stand strong, he will move mightily and fast to prove that he is the real God, the living God, not just another God, not the God of a denomination, not a religious God, not an imagination God, not a God that you go to church on Sunday and you sin against on Monday. That's not the kind of God he is. He's the God of the just and the true and the obedient. And the righteousness of Christ has a price. And it's called purity and holiness. And so we see that he tries to make a bribe with Hezekiah. He even tells him, I'll give you all these horses you could run. You're not qualified. Look what God did. Beloved, Do you see that through this history, we see the plot of Satan trying to negotiate, trying to persuade? Do you know why? Because Satan didn't really want to fight with God. Come on. He lost every time. When he started to rebel in heaven, he got his tush thrown out of heaven. And those that aligned with them, they went too. And they had reserved for them a very nice resort called hell. And something happens that every time, every, every, every time the people of God stand up in faith, God wins. So he really didn't want to fight. He really didn't want to test and see how many of his soldiers would get killed going into Jerusalem if Hezekiah stood on God? He wanted to bribe him. He wanted to talk his way out. He wanted to disparage Hezekiah and the people of God. He wanted to attack their faith and put fear inside of them. He wanted to show lawlessness and chaos, places burning. He wanted to cry out that this Hezekiah isn't the man he says he is. Or why would God let this happen to you? Huh? Do you see the same old story in the same old way? The devil doesn't really want to fight against the people of God, but he's got one. Because we're wise. We understand our eyes are open. We're not confused. We see the light and not the dark. We believe in the things that we believe. And it is boiling inside of us. We were born at this time because we want to be those who shout for victory on the steps of the Supreme Court, rejoicing over Roe versus Wade being turned back and the killing of babies stopped. We want to believe that this...
country will once again walk in the grace of God for the repentance, the violent shedding of innocent blood. We believe it. Something else happened that week of August 20th. Cancel culture. We had a Pledge of Allegiance twice to a nation, but not my nation, some kind of new nation, because they took out under God. Not once. The truth is confirmed in the witness of two or three. God made it so plain for us. Cancel culture isn't about tearing down monuments. I could care less. It's tearing down God. I saw that too. My spirit was churned. Same thing. This Lord thy God that Hezekiah is talking about, don't listen to him. He's not going to be here for you. <laughs> Uh-oh. Get ready to shout in victory here in a moment. Have I now come up without the Lord against this land to destroy it? Rabshakeh, the Rabshakeh said. Now he's given it his best thrust. The world isn't going to save you. Scientists aren't doing it. <laughs> Medicine isn't doing it. Wall Street isn't doing it. The world isn't going to save you. But either is your God. Ah. Take away the confidence and the faith in the world, but now take away God. Watch what happens. You see the plot? You see the plot? It's just reoccurring. We see it. We see it in the Word of God. We see it clearly. The Hezekiah miracle moment's coming. I'm going to go back, uh, miss a lot of this right now. The goal of the Rabshakeh was to sow fear. Hello? Sow fear, slow discouragement, sow despair, so that he could spread his own agenda. Then finally this. 2 King 18, verses 28 through 35. You need to listen to this. Then the Rabshakeh, the voice, <laughs> the voice of the evil king. The voice. He wasn't the evil king. He was the voice. <laughs> Have we ever seen a puppet figure before? Not in my life. And I'm a political scientist by degree, by the way. I am. My wife will tell you, I'm like, I, I eat it up. I have so many books on it. I've never seen anything where a puppet has been put in place who doesn't even know what day it is to be a voice. <laughs> to be a voice who reads it off of a screen, and if the screen goes dead, zoop, they hook them out. Just like your time was up in vaudeville. It's funny, but it's true. It's true. The Rabshakeh, we got a new name for him. He's the Rabshakeh. He's the voice. He'll say whatever the king tells him to say. To discourage, to put fear, to despair. And when he's all done, somebody else 
is sitting in the chair, not the Rob Sheka. Hello? And the person that they put in to replace the Rob Sheka, her name means Laktashi, the mother goddess of Buddha and Hindu. Do you see it? Do you think this is all a coincidence? Do you think this is just Frank being creative? I should be able to write such a story. Huh. Hear the word of the great king, the Rabshakeh said. Thus says the king, do not let Hezekiah deceive you. Do not let your leader deceive you. Do not listen to what he said, for he shall not be able to deliver you from his hand, nor let Hezekiah make you trust in the Lord, saying, the Lord will surely deliver us. This city shall not be given into the hand of the king of Assyria. Don't listen to him. Make peace with me. Bring me a present. Vote for me. Pledge for me. I'm going to make your life better. And every one of you eat from his own vine and every one from his own fig tree. The only difference is taking them to a different culture. It's not your vine. It's not your fig tree. You're drinking out of a soiled cistern. It's not living water. It's polluted water. It's not water that's democratic. It's socialistic. It's not water that has the pure virgin oil of Jesus Christ in it. It's water that has been polluted by the many, many gods of the Assyrian king. And every one of those gods has a different name. And every one of those gods is whatever you want it to be. Today, this matters. Tomorrow, that matters. And if you don't do this, you get this. Huh? How detestable is it to watch an elderly couple 50 miles away from us being accosted being accosted because they just wanted to get out in the fresh air and try to feel normal for a little bit and get away from a mask and not be afraid anymore. And being accosted because they probably didn't even know to do this. And they got this. Fear, disparagement, cancel culture, destroy the nuclear father. Do you see it? It's nothing new just got different faces. Sin has many different ways. Sin can be complicit or sin can be not doing anything. That's why my prayer is that Christians get up and go vote. They need to vote and they need to have a conscience. If one of the greatest miracles we have now between now and then is that people wake up and understand that the, the blood of innocent children is on the hands of this nation and whoever votes against it, please do that. You're better to do nothing than to go against that because it's real. <laughs> it might get lost in the myriad of the agenda of politics here that a candidate has, but it doesn't get lost in the throne room of God. Holy Spirit just spoke to me. He said, son, I'm watching. Tell my people I'm watching. I'm watching. 
I'm watching. Tell the watchman to cry out, I'm watching. I see. I take count. Ignorance is no excuse to touch my glory. I'm watching. Do not listen to Hezekiah lest he persuade you, saying, The Lord will deliver us. Has any of the gods of nations at all delivered its land from the hand of the king of Assyria? Where are these gods? Where are those gods? Who among all the gods of the lands have delivered their countries from my hand that the Lord should deliver? Jerusalem from my hand. The Rabshakeh's speech. He just relegated the Lord God to just another God. Just another God. Don't you see what's trying to happen in this country? Just relegate the real Lord, the living God, the Judeo-Christian God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost, to just another God. Just another God. Worship whatever you want. After all, we're all created. Worship whatever you want. And let me use his name. Let me use his name like the Rikshapa did. He calls him the Lord God because that's who Isaiah told him he was, but not because he was the Lord his God. And so, I have to speed it up. If you want more, you'll have to pay attention. So that was a king's commandment. But interestingly enough, the people stay united. The people that heard this message, they heard it in Hebrew. They heard it in a language they understood, not in Aramaic. They heard this language. It said that they did not speak out. They did not answer, and they held their peace because the king told them to hold their peace. And because of that, because they stood, it says then that Hezekiah tore his clothes and went into repentance. I don't have time to go through chapter 19, only to this point with you. They were moved to repentance. They did not break down. They did not make the pledge. They did not make the vote. They did not take the bribe. They did not walk. They were afraid, (laughs) looking out the door, and you see that huge army over your water source. They were probably trying to save water and everything they could find. They were hoarding stuff up. Hmm? Sound familiar? They probably bought out every piece of toilet paper that was in the community. (laughs) They were hoarding it. Keeping it. Bad days coming. Bad, bad days coming. Hezekiah tore his clothes. And those prophetic bones began to move inside of them, just like I call upon the dead bones of the body of Christ right now to begin to come alive. And for life and the spirit of Nefesh and God to blow upon them, the Ruach to come out with a blast upon the earth and the people of God, and for life to come into the body of Christ, for fire to begin to breathe inside. As we rent our clothes, pour ashes of repentance upon ourselves and say, Lord, we repent. We repent for the sins of commission and the sins of admission. We repent for our father's sins.
We repent for the sins of our children. We repent for our nation. We repent for believers. Forgive us, Lord. Forgive us, Lord. But Hezekiah was smart. Oh, he was smart. Those prophetic bones began to move up inside of him. And he, after he tore his clothes, just the first few verses of chapter 19 will get me where I need to be. And then you're going to say, oh my God. It really is the plot. Hezekiah reaches out for the prophetic voice. That's why I'm so angry that the prophetic voice was the wrong voice that spoke to this president in April. And that's because of his handlers. Those that God has entrusted to put the right voices there. They may not like me, I don't care. There's too much at stake. Too much at stake. It won't happen again this cycle. It won't happen again. He reaches out to Isaiah. He tears his clothes. He went into the house of the Lord. 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 He got before God. The army was too big. The living waters were being polluted by the sin of one who called himself more powerful than God. He reached out for the prophetic voice, the real voice of God. I want to hear, I need to hear the word of the Lord. If I just get the word of the Lord, I can be strong. How many of you know that that word will set you free? How many of you know that when the word of the Lord comes into your spirit, no matter what you're against, no matter what you're fighting, no matter what's been against you, when you get the word of the Lord, you are strengthened in the power and might of his spirit. How many of you know that? He sent his leadership to Isaiah. They sought him out. They found the word of the Lord. And he sought out this word through the prophetic word. And this is the message they brought to him. He put this word. Listen to the word he put in their mouth. Please, if you've heard nothing else I've said, remember I told you, God said, Two weeks ago, I gave you the message. We need to push through the Hezekiah miracle moment. We're the midwives. It's giving birth. But we have to push it through. And I was so encouraged that the whole world is helping to push. And I'm so encouraged that my friend Kevin Jessup, four years ago, told me God put this day of repentance in his heart. And the poor man and his wife were struck with COVID two weeks ago, flat on his back. And I prayed with him and prayed with him, and God restored him. Because of the prophetic battle that this is. The same mall where they want to tear down the Washington Memorial, and they're painting things that are lifting up a different idol in this country, trying to change the soul of the country to a different banner. 
In that same place, God is calling people from all over the earth and leaders to come and to lead and pray. Starting on Friday the 25th to Saturday the 26th. And yours truly is the last word. I didn't ask for it. I'm a nobody. And I don't know what that word's going to be. But I know it's going to be the word. God is hearing. God is moving. God is about to shake. He's about to shake. There's going to be a blast. He said it's a blast. He said it's a blast. Listen to this. He went into the house of the Lord. This time he had the right reaction. He didn't try to bribe the king. He didn't turn to the arms of flesh. He wasn't watching the polls. He wasn't taking a consensus. He wasn't listening to the news media. He wasn't wondering what was going on. He went to the house of the Lord and he tore his clothes and he repented to God. And he said, I was wrong. I should have turned to you first, oh Lord. And he sent Eliakim and Shebna, the elders and the priests, to Isaiah the prophet. And this was very good. And these are the words that Hezekiah said that cry out to us today in this nation. Let them singe your soul, because it did mine. When I read this and pondered it again, and when the Lord impressed me with it all night long, this night and through the third watch as I was praying it. I said, Lord, hear the words of Hezekiah. Hear the words of Isaiah the prophet. Hear the words of your church crying out to you. Hezekiah said, the children have come to birth, but there is no strength to bring them forth. Hello? The children have come to birth, but there's no strength to bring them forth. Abortion's about to be repealed, but we need strength to bring it forth. Hey! God, we need your strength. We can't do it. It's a big army. They can't be bribed. They'll only come back stronger and worse full of lies and deceit. And it's not enough, Lord, that they want to destroy us. They want to take you out, my God, from our country, from our children. They've been working at it a long time. They took prayer from our schools. They took prayer from our sports activities. They're taking prayer in the name of God out of our very Pledge of Allegiance. They're canceling any monument. It doesn't matter what it is, and especially if it says the word God in it. They're canceling our culture, our Judeo-Christian culture, a nation built upon the faith of God by people that were inclined to rebel because they wanted to worship their God. A nation that has sent out missionaries all over the world because the grace of God has fallen upon this place. 
is a land of milk and honey. Souls being saved in the four corners of the earth. People that would no other way know of God, hearing the word of God, seeing miracles of God, raised up. The enemy of our God is crying out. Choke them. Choke God out of them. Let's give them a seemingly godly man. A voice, someone that we can replace quickly with our true agenda. Hezekiah cried out, the children have come to birth, but there's no strength to bring them forth. We are one Supreme Court justice away from overturning Roe versus Wade. One. They fought as hard as they could to destroy the last one. They did everything to this man they could do. They accused him of everything, and his accuser is now running for vice president. The one who screamed the loudest who stood up, who even accused the man she's running with of doing what this man did. Does it show you how it changes in the wind? Where's the morality? Where's the ethics? Where's the cause? The cause is the spirit of Antichrist. And that's who we are battling against. Shame on the shepherds and pastors who are afraid to tell the truth on their pulpits. Shame on them. I pray that God turns their hearts, but I also pray for their very souls. And that's not a popular message. I remember one of the things the Lord spoke to me when he first called me, and I didn't understand the New Testament very well, but I knew the law. He said, son, when I give you a word, if you don't send forth that word, then the blood of the people is on your hands. Huh? That's after I knew Jesus, but I didn't know the New Testament very well, but I knew Jesus. You see, I still believe the blood is on our hands. I know people don't like to receive that message, but my God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And the fear of the Lord is the very beginning and the tenant of our strong foundation of faith. And just because people don't want to stir up their people and don't want to be political and don't want to be called racist and every other thing under the sun, every other little euphemism that we could come up with to try and control us and intimidate us and stop us, it's no excuse to hold back the word of the Lord to God's people. And now I'm speaking to preachers and pastors. You may hear me, you may not hear me, you may like me, I don't care. But listen, listen, because if you don't care for yourself, care for the sheep that follow you. All it would take is a few people and a few cultures to stand up and to change the attitude about the right to life, and you would have millions of people begin to change their hearts. Those few people, I'm not going to name them here, those few people could turn the heart of this nation 
on abortion. Abortion, a terrible sin, and the worst form of racism ever promulgated in this nation. Kill the black and brown babies. If you want a lesson on that, go sit down with Jeff Green. He's an expert on it. That's where it came from. And those precious children, they're the ones that are being sacrificed the most because their mothers don't have enough to keep them. Those precious children. Hezekiah got it. The children have come to birth. But before that, he says, God, this is a day of trouble. But it's also a day of rebuke. Now, I understand why the Holy Spirit got me up out of a half slumber. I was hanging on, listening to that boring speech. And then the Reb Shaka, he looked into his very well-scripted teleprompter. And he said, Mr. President, you said that this virus was going to disappear that there was going to be a miracle. Well, I have word for you. There is not going to be any miracle. That's what he said. And that's when he crossed the line. I'm telling you, that's when he crossed the line. The Lord said, boom. And as it said in here, the, the verse before it, a day of trouble, rebuke, and blasphemy. Mockery. Mockery. Mocking God, mocking the faith in God, mocking the people of God. Blasphemy and mockery. Hezekiah was wise. Abi's son, Zechariah's uncle, can imagine sitting around that dinner table once in a while. Not by power, not by might, but by my spirit, saith your uncle. Huh? Could you imagine dwelling up inside of him? Dwelling up inside of him, swelling up inside of him. And he says, God, it's enough that they've come for us. He mocked you. He said, there's no miracles left in you. What? What? Oh, God heard it. I know he heard it. He churned inside of me. He's still churning inside of me. My God, they blasphemed you. Whether by ignorance or a speech writer or by intention, they blasphemed you, my God. They mocked you. They mocked our faith. They mocked the miracle power of Jesus Christ. Now, God, you stand up. You take the battle. You show the world who you are. It's your glory, Father. We believe, and we're the midwives, the children have come to birth. Finally this. It may be the Lord your God will heal the words of the Rabshakeh. Therefore, lift up your prayer for the remnant that is left. And read these words and go home and read them again. And when you're feeling a little discouraged, read them again. And when you listen to 
news that you don't like, and when it sounds like the world is going to hell in a handbasket, here's God's word of assurance to Hezekiah, verses 6 and 7. Thus says the Lord, Do not be afraid of the words which you have heard, with which the servants of the king of Assyria have blasphemed me. Next verse. Surely, 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 surely I will send a spirit upon him. And he shall hear a rumor and return to his own land. And I will cause him to fall by the sword of his own land. But the actual translation of that word, the spirit, I will send a blast upon him. I will blast him. I'm going to blast him. The Lord says, I'm going to blast him. I'm going to hit them with the breath of my air, my ruach that is going to put them flat on their back, and they're going to go back the way they came from because I am God. I'm going to blast them. And the very next day, the angel of the Lord went and destroyed them, and they went back the way they came from with their votes in their hand their pledges pilfering through their fingers. And the king of Assyria said, in his own heart, the Lord God of Israel is real. He's not like the other gods. He's the real God. He's not like my denominational God. He's not my religious God. He's not the God whom I make into whatever I want. He's the Lord God Almighty. Jehovah is his name. Yeshua HaMashiach. The Ruach HaKodesh. The King of Kings. The Lord of Lords. The El Shaddai. The Almighty God. The All-Powerful One. The Ever-Present One. He is God. And He's God Almighty. Yes! Bless Him! Bless Him! Bless Him! Ah, bless you, Lord. Beloved, there's about to be a blast on the earth. We are the midwives. Repentance, prayer, push. Watch it happen. This is what we've been born for. And you know, as they make the odds worse, just start to laugh more. Because that's when God says, sure, sure. You want to make it almost impossible? That's when I make it happen. Amen. Amen. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Baruch Abba, blessed be the name of the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, let's if the church needed a vaccine, that's it. 
You don't have to have it tested. You don't have to worry about whether there's bad results or good results. We win. We win. We win. Hey! <laughs> Woo! And boy, I like to win. How many of you like to win? I like to win. I don't like to lose. I like to win. If you like to lose, something's wrong with you. I like to win. I like, who here likes to lose? Thank you. Thank you. You go on down the street, we'll find a place for you. Down. <laughs> Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. Blessed be his holy, holy, holy name. Oh, wow. We're fired up, aren't we?